mystery and horror, the air itself is filled with monsters. Children of the night, what music they make. It's alive! It's alive! Well, hello, all you monster fiends, and thank you for joining us for another deep dive, factoid filled episode exploring Hollywood's most famous monsters. I am your mistress of ceremonies, Sam. And I'm joined, as always, by Dan from Bleeding Marvelous. Say hello, Dan. Hiya! 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 I'm coming to you from a different location. (laughs) I'm at my parents' house, so I apologize if any dogs start barking. Cue the dogs. (laughs) Don't say that. Yes, I am here. I will be back home next week. This is just temporary while they go and celebrate an anniversary. Yes, I think. Um, it, it, to be honest with them, it could be just any excuse to get away and go. We're <laughs> <laughs> just celebrating leaving the house. So yeah. we'll, goodbye. Yeah. Bye-bye. Watch the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are, we are, we are doing part two of Men Behind the Makeup. With Rick Baker. And holy shit, if you thought last week's episode was like, what the fuck of movies, you are in for a mind blow tonight. Because I've got two pages worth of movies here. <laughs> just, just a few. Just, 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 a cu- just, just a couple. A couple of absolute blockbusters as well. And like in our eyes would be blockbusters. Probably not too, you know, Hollywood to us um so i'll quickly do the disclaimer because i do it every week and we will crack on because there is just a lot to get through yes so everything discussed in today's episode is our opinions and our opinions alone if you'd like to discuss anything from today's episode please come and join us in the facebook group the discord page or the comments section where we can have an open discussion but what we won't have is anyone coming for us and telling us our opinions are wrong. We can all agree to disagree in fandom. So let's keep it fun, keep it kind, and keep the toxic behaviour out of nerdism. And don't be a dick. Yes. Look at that. We're getting all musical. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish I had a straw now. <laughs> right. Rick Baker, part two. Where we left off last time was we left the 80s with Gorillas in the Mess. I don't want to go through that again. <laughs> don't want to go through that again. No, heading, no, because the, the no. jank and all of it all. <laughs> no, the, the, the trauma. Yeah. I'm not here for it. This, this time around, we start in 1990 with <laughs> Gremlins 2. Part two. He was the supervisor and co-producer to this movie. Mm. And holy shit, this movie is crazy. I only watched it a couple of years ago. I'm not going to lie. I am, if if you've ever heard me on the Sunday podcast, Gremlins is not my thing. Right. I, didn't, I didn't watch it as a kid. I only watched it in my late 20s because it's my father-in-law's favorite Christmas film. And I was like, go on, stick it on. It was the first time I ever watched it. So I don't get the whole 
gizmo-y, gremlin spiky thing. I don't get it. But I do, like, a lot of my friends, my best friend included, loves it. Mm. Two was my favourite out of them because they all had more personality. Yeah. They all had, and I I, ne- I was never aware that it was Rick Baker until the prop store auction came up and then they oh. were saying about, like, how Rick was selling off all of his collection. And I was like, Rick Baker? Gremlins too? Oh, we did everything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Absolutely everything for, for, for that. And I was just like, well, I was I was kind of taken back because it made sense because he gave each one a personality. Yeah. But that was, that was the thing. He was so adamant when he took that project on that he would have creative control over yeah. each of the gremlins and he didn't want them to be carbon copies of the first one because he didn't do the first one at all. No, he it, didn't. Nothing mm. to do with it. No, Nothing exactly. to do with the design of the, the Mogwai itself, mm-hmm. but obviously got a chance to evolve the looks and especially change them up in the second one. Um. But this is the this is the time where Rick starts to take a bit more control in his career. Yeah. As you will see as we go on, <laughs> he starts to take a lot more control because from this in the seventies to eighties, he's very much trying to get his foot in the door. Yeah. He's got an Oscar behind him now. Yeah. His foot's very much jammed in there. Yeah, I mean, he was the one who actually came up with the lab scene. That's his idea. Right. That whole bit where Christopher Lee is running the lab. Christ- um, Christopher Lee's in this film, man. <laughs> and it was like, it was never going to be, it was never written as part of the script. But he said that he wanted an opportunity to show that not just the Mugwai before they turned were individual Mm-hmm. that this would give like a whole nother level of character to to the actual gremlins themselves, which he did, because in the lab you had the vegetable gremlin, you had the electricity gremlin, you had this this boy here, the, the winged bat gargoyle gremlin. You had like you had the whole Corgan gremlin. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so many. And and the fact that I, I actually found out that they made something like 300 gremlins what but i think he said that it was i'll get the percentage wrong i'm pretty sure i can't remember specifically but it was something like 40 percent were animatronic 20 percent were puppets and the other um 40 percent were like gelatin for that end scene oh yeah where they all melt so they mm-hmm. made a load out of gelatin literally made molds of the puppets filled them with gelatin and just wobbled them to make them look like they were alive so they were like and then when they (laughs) they poured the water on they melted and it was just a big puddle of gelatin goo from all the melted (laughs) was it extra from the blob (laughs) it's just like i that sounds so easy yeah and and so common sense but then it's it's kind of like you've also got to remember how it looks on camera as well yeah because a lot of things don't look on camera as they do you know this in real life um uh, my the best example i have for that is singing in the rain Mm. the water in the gene kelly scene of singing in the rain is actually milk that's what i i had actually heard that 
if and, you'd done um, the Universal Studio tours, you would know that. <laughs> that must be where I've heard it from. Then, like, yeah, he's singing in a he's singing in the milk, not the rain, because <laughs> milk showed up better because they needed individual, like they needed the drops to really stand out. They needed to because they just didn't need it to be like a shower. Yeah, a shower of just nothing. And you can just see the water hitting off the floor. So they needed everything to be precise. And milk does that. Yeah. So it has to look good on camera. Um, I love with Gremlins 2. And I wa- I think I watched this before I watched the movie. Is And I said this on another part, on another episode. The Keenan Peel uh, sketch clip with them two. And they're in like, it's an 80s boardroom meeting. It's yeah. very, it's very eighties, early nineties, and the, one of them comes in and he's like pitching all these. He's like, right, what do you want to see in the new Gremlins movie? And everyone comes up with a fucking crazy idea, and what you realize is, it's the movie. <laughs> it's the actual movie. I think they did that, didn't they? Twice they did it once. Is it in the first one where they had Hulk Hogan rip his t-shirt off in the cinema scene in the first one? And then in the second one, they they broke the 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 fourth wall again uh-huh. by acknowledging the fact that you were watching them, watching them, watching them, or something. It was just, <laughs> it yeah, but it worked. It, it worked. worked. I just I feel like with with Rick's work on this, give the Gremlins a lot more depth yeah. and a lot more. I know we talk about different characters and different personalities, but I think that just the the detail, the attention to detail. And I've probably noticed it more since the first episode because of, you know, listening to him talk about how much detail he puts in everything. So I'm looking at pictures going, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> Greta, Gremlin, Greta Gremlin was a huge thing and everybody knows Greta massively, don't they? Because she's the first female one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and... He, he was adamant he wanted one that would he he viewed all <laughs> this interview I saw he viewed all gremlins as technically asexual mm-hmm. because they could be either or it's just that the majority of them chose to be men because they were naughty you know boys because they wouldn't naturally boys be boys naughty um but then he said he just wanted one that would stand out but she had to be a bombshell she had to be like this knock your socks off kind of gremlin that all of them would was automatically fell in love with and i think they managed it really well sculpting boobs on a gremlin um big great big red pouty lips i love the look of it i know um carolyn and paul were very excited when necker brought out their greta gremlin they're very very excited for it well we've got uh greta coming we've got two i might keep one though (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We've got two of these life-size gremlins of Greta coming, the life-size Necker ones. Uh, they stand about two, two and a half feet tall. And it's one of those ones that I just, I keep saying to Rob, we've got two coming in. I might just keep one and sell one. I'm, I'm, the anyway, benefits of having your own spooky business. <laughs> be some be- I never pay myself. I've got to, you know, I've got to get, get it. Get it somewhere. Well. Absolutely. Keep it, keep Greta. I think every I think everyone in the comments right now will be saying keep Greta. Yeah, it's fair enough. <laughs> See, I just say, sorry, got to do it. Oh no. Oh, what a shame. Uh, <laughs> well, Gremlins Two is nineteen ninety. Yep. The next one is nineteen eighty one, 
bearing in mind he works quite a lot through the 90s, um, is the Rocketeer. Yes. He was a creator for... Now, you will have to... You will have to forgive me very dearly. I have never seen the Rocketeer. I've seen um, it once in about 1993. <laughs> so I'm no good for this one. I have anymore. never seen it. But he's the creator of Loth- Lothar. Did he? I'm so sorry to anyone, any Rocketeer fans. Because I know Rocketeer has like a special place for a lot of people. It does, yeah. And I'm really sorry. I'm just, it never, I want to say it never hit my radar, but a lot of movies never hit my radar. <laughs> I mean, when someone says about the Rocketeer, I know I can picture exactly what it looks oh, like. Oh, absolutely. The 50s styling of it all with the rocket backpack and the gold helmet. And, and I know what the guy looks like. Mm-hmm. Couldn't tell you what happened in the film. Um and I've never read the comic books, so no. I I can't really offer much insight on this one, I'm afraid. Same, same here. I do I apologize sincerely. It, do you know what? It should be right up my street. 50s era, yeah. that kind of aesthetic, but for some reason I just I've never gone to it. So apologies if you were coming here for any rocketeer information because <laughs> he ain't got none. <laughs> Wrong. Next one is 1994 so we actually jump a couple of years rick gives himself a holiday (laughs) (laughs) he does give himself some time off and we come in with or i should say rick comes in with wolf yes now there's a big section about it in this this massive huge great big book about his interaction with jack nicholson right see post-it note (laughs) professional Obsessive compulsive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, there's a bit on it which I absolutely love. And you would love this book, Sammy. I'm not joking. It is just full of quotes and photos and from every. Is that the one film. you sent us the other week? Yeah. I'll get it. Yeah. It's it's not very, it's not massively expensive. It's not Rick Baker. Bloody oh, all no, no. Costs. No, this is about 20. It's 22, pounds, 22 pounds, if I remember yeah. rightly. And it's hardback, and it is heavy as crap, and it is fantastic. It will look lovely in my collection of. <laughs> but there's this whole section about his interaction with Jack Nicholson and how he got he had to get Jack pinned down enough to make him look like the wolf because mm. when he he took the job, <laughs> he said, "Right, you want Jack Nicholson to be a wolf, but you don't want him to be a wolf because he's Jack Nicholson." So why is this film called Wolf? <laughs> why, are you, why are you coming to me? Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, we know that you understand that. So we need to show, we need you to do something to be able to show that Jack is still Jack and that Jack is also a wolf at the same time. So they didn't want like a full... They didn't want the full American werewolf in London makeup. Or a Lon Chaney Jr., you know, lurking Larry. <laughs> you know, they didn't want a full... <laughs> hot glue to your face um, yeah hair number but he said right because rick rick took the producers inside and said right i will do it but i need to meet with jack i need to talk to jack i need to look at jack's face shape i need to have a consultation with him see if he's allergic to anything know that you know see how far he's willing to go with the makeup and stuff like that and they were like no no you'll never meet jack you'll have to just do it on the day and he was like well i ain't doing it then see you bye and because uh, this is like you say, he's in his era of I don't need the job, I don't, yeah. fucking, I don't care. Mm-hmm. And um, 
they finally come back to him about two or three months later, according to this. And <laughs> they said, yes, Jack will meet you, but for 45 minutes and 45 minutes is all you'll get to do your life cast, all that stuff. And he went, I'm not even at life cast phase yet. He said, I just want a consultation. I just, that's what I need to do just to talk to him and see what his thoughts are. So he walked in and apparently Jack Nicholson said, oh, um, am I the first Wolfman to not have any makeup on or something like that? And Rick went, no, because you're going to have makeup on to Jack Nicholson. <laughs> <laughs> apparently he lauded it down the stairs, Jack Nicholson, in his, uh, when, he, when he went to Jack's house and he had like leopard skin shoes on. And ah! there was, there's like Monet's on the wall and all this sort of stuff. He's I like, thought you were going to say like he had a leopard print thong on and it was just good. <laughs> Here I am. <laughs> wouldn't surprise me in the least and he had a massive cigar on the go all the time so he, he said to him right this is what I'm looking at to do with your makeup we're going to increase your sideburns and give you big old mutton chops make these longer not give you too much here because obviously we want to still see your face yeah because that's the money maker isn't it let's be honest but um we're going to try and make your brow a little bit more arched and you know um emphasized for to show the like the canine features a bit better mm-hmm. and you'll have a set of teeth in um and, <laughs> and he was like okay well I'm okay with all that but we'll, I need to do a, a, a test a makeup test and, and so Rick was like perfect that's all I've wanted yeah so <laughs> they make a date he get Rick gets there Jack turns up four hours late right he really is a parody of himself isn't he, he really is he's everything you expect Jack Nicholson mm-hmm. to be um, so he turns up four hours late. He sits in the chair and he goes, oh, I, I don't really, I, I'm, I'm, you know, we'll see how it goes. And he was smoking a big cigar. And like back in them days, you'd spirit gum. Everything is so flammable. Yeah. <laughs> Rick's laying down on the air. He wouldn't put the cigar out. Just going on his cigar the whole time. And he said to, um, I'm just trying to find you. Jack, you know, this glue's kind of flammable. He just blew smoke in my face and told me to be careful. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Rick was just like, oh, for fuck's sake. So he went and he, he said, my nose is wrong. Jack Nicholson kept saying to, um, to, to Rick Baker, my nose looks wrong. Have you got any of those nose plugs? And like Rick was like, no, I, I don't think it would look right. But no, I haven't got any. So the make so his makeup artist, he's like day to day guy who puts a bit of foundation on him, comes over and like Jack starts sticking sponge up his nose to try and give himself this pronounced, yeah, rounded kind of look. And Rick kept saying, "You look like a pig. It doesn't work. You look mm. like a pig." He's telling Jack Nicholson, "Jack Nicholson looks like a pig," and I was just like, "Good for you, Rick." And he was like, Rick was like not having it. He walked into the uh, makeup test filming said to the director tell him to do a shot with them in and then tell him to take them bloody things out when he's doing his second test because I want to see the difference between how they look and uh the director asked Jack to take him out for the second one and Jack just shot him with death look he knew it come from Rick and then when he went and and Rick said I was just convinced that was it I was off the shoot yeah I'm I'm done (laughs) I'm blacklisted for a couple I'll take my P45 now thank you (laughs) and uh apparently they came in from the shooting to get like Jack come and sat down to, to get all of the makeup taken off. And his quote was, he turned around and he said to Rick, Ricky boy, I think we're on the right track. <laughs> Would have punched him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and that was like, and then Rick said it was one of the best shoots he'd been on. 
at that point. So, wow, I would have severely hurt that man. <laughs> <laughs> I would have, I would have gone all Jack Pierce on him and got the hot glue out and went, "Fucker, you're gonna sit there. You're gonna feel what you're gonna feel what Boris Carla felt like." No, Lon Chaney Jr. My God, how could I get that wrong? But yeah, oh wow, okay, Jack Nelson's a dick. Well, I mean, to be fair, he's got a huge reputation of being creepy, weird, lechy, and rude. But I mean, he's Jack Nicholson, so people just go, "Well, it's Jack Nicholson," and everybody goes, "Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah." So um, that's all I have to say on that one, really. Oh God Almighty! Well, so we leave night. We stay in nineteen ninety four. And we are, oh, God, here it is. Oh, the movie that he wins his second Oscar for, Tim Burton's Edward. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh! Um, he does the makeup for, the makeup art, the makeup for and design for Bill Gossie. Yeah. Martin La- uh, Landau, wasn't so it? So glad you said his name because I always call it by someone. But it's Martin Landau, yes. Martin. Why is it not Landau, is it? Oh, God. Landau, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's Juliet Landau's uh, dad. My brain from... just went... Darla, not Darla. What's her name? From Buffy Drusilla. Yeah, Drew. Yeah, it's her dad. Um, So I remember him talking about this on the Gilbert Godfrey podcast and how he found... Because Martin doesn't really look like... Bill Lugosi. Not really. Not really. Doesn't really really look like him. So makeup-wise, become quite difficult to to replicate. Would you say? Was I couldn't really replicate his face properly? He said that he had completely the wrong face shape and they just cast because of who he was, not because of not because of the fact that he looked like Baylor. It was yeah. because he, he was Martin <laughs> It's uncanny. <laughs> I love that line. I can quote that movie for days. Fuck you. Or Karloff. Fuck you. <laughs> I fucking love it. But he is an absolute star in that film. Like yeah. You do forget that he doesn't really look like Bill Lugosi. Um... His accent is off, uh, <laughs> but the makeup. So Martin Lando is a is at an age at this movie, but not at the age that he that his makeup is. What I have learned through going through the list is how good Rick is at doing old man makeup. Yeah, I'd say it's it's like his monkeys and then his old man makeup or his. His old age makeup is his two strongest wheelhouses. I yeah, think, for sure. Yeah. Um. So yes, he wins an Oscar for this, which is crazy to think because he only did one person. It wasn't an yeah. overall, it wasn't an overall makeup for like the entire cast. It was just for one person, and he won an Oscar. I have found out though he gets credited for a lot of things that he didn't actually do, but we'll continue. Oh, okay. So, yeah. We'll we'll we'll, well, we'll run through what we have. This information is being taken directly from Wikipedia. So once we've done the list, we can go over and you can you can fact check me. <laughs> <laughs> no, they are all technically 
I th- what is it called? Um, his company's name was Cinna. God, you know his um his makeup house. I've yeah. written it down somewhere. Cinovations. Um, it, they were technically Cinovation movies, but no. Rick is the one that gets credited for the makeups when it's not Rick's makeups, it's Rick's company and people that work for him that have done the makeups, but they don't get yeah. the credit. Rick gets the credit. And I'm not saying Rick doesn't deserve the credit or Rick's mm. not good at what he does, but yeah. when you start looking into it, he gets a lot of slaps on the back for things that he technically didn't do. Right. Well, he definitely did better than the horses make up for. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is, honestly, it is fantastic makeup, but he is, like I said earlier, he's incredibly good at old man makeup. As we know from when we discussed in part one with um, Max von Sauden, can never say his surname right, um, his old man makeup from The Exorcist. So, um. <laughs> The next one tickled my funny bone, I'm not going to lie. Because <laughs> I had to go and find out which one it is. Um, 1995 rolls around <laughs> and we have Batman Forever. For anybody who doesn't know which one it is, because there is a cloudy, cloudy little weird kind of section of mo- of the movies where you get confused which one is, which, yeah. one's, which one's forever, which one's which. This is the Jim Carrey one. This is the Jim Carrey one. He is the design and creator for this one. Now, this is Val Kilmer, yeah? I think so, yeah, because yeah. uh, Michael only did the first two. Yeah, and I did a review for the Batman and Robin last year, and I fucking loved it. Um, Val Kilmer is my Batman. Just gonna, I'm just going to put that out there. Val Kilmer, I think he's a fantastic Batman. Keaton's mine, I will say. Keaton's mine. Just, do you know what? Do you know what? Do you know what gets us with that? It's the movement of the suit. Oh yeah, you <laughs> yeah. can't. You can't move. Oh <laughs> so, yeah, aesthetically, Kilmer looks. He looks the shits, man. As as Batman, he really does, and he is a really. And I think this just personally me. I think he's a really excellent Batman. Bruce Wayne, just, uh, just if he could just do it like a little bit more, he would. He would just have it. Um, but I this. This movie infuriates me, and I don't get infuriated by Jim Carrey, but in this movie, I do. Um, I have you Tom always was... liked Batman? Then have you been? Is that been one in your wheelhouse of of graphic novels or or comic books that you yeah. liked? Yeah, yeah, but probably more graphic novels. I have probably more Batman graphic novels than I do any other. So um, you have, like you're invested in the characters, kind of thing. Yeah, but I didn't watch the the 90s movies. I had seen Batman, the Tim Burton Batmans, fucking 100 times, but I didn't watch the other ones for the sheer reason. I was like, well, they, you know, they look shit. <laughs> didn't even, but I watched them a couple of years ago and I just, I don't know, I, I don't know if I fell in love with the nostalgia of it, where it fitted in the 90s, what the time was, the toys around it. So I kind of got that, like, I, I love that aspect of it. Um, but Batman as a character is, he's up there for us, he really is. So do you think, I don't know in this one, I found it hard to pinpoint which specific um, makeups Rick I did. Think- Generally didn't know one. he did it yeah. until I was writing it down earlier. Um, because he doesn't talk about it. 
Now, no. I would have thought from a makeup perspective, this take take aside everything that we know of this film and how you, you feel about it, because there's a lot of feelings on it. Makeup aside, Tommy Lee, Tommy Lee Jones? Or is it? I get mixed up with Harvey, Harvey Keitel and him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Tommy Lee Jones's makeup is absolutely phenomenal. For me, anyway, I actually think it looks really good. I think Carrie looks fucking amazing, even though he, he just got to be tits in this film. <laughs> um, but I think the the colouring, the the uh, especially the application too, because I watched that in 4K, and you can you can see everything in 4K. The yeah. girl, the, the women of Sunset uh, Strip. God, you don't fool me, ladies. I see it. <laughs> As I say, I recently watched, went back and watched Batman Returns because that has always been my favourite movie. Mm. Danny DeVito, Michelle oh. Pfeiffer. You know, the Penguin is just, he's Christopher Walken. It's just an ace movie all around. It is your quintessential Tim Burton yeah. live, live character movie for me. Because um, a lot of people go, oh, you know, there actually is, two Tim Burton's and, and the other one is on this list of my favourites I'm not a um, people will lynch me for this I'm not a big Nightmare Before Christmas fan and it's not because <laughs> I'm waiting for the lynch mob to come in <laughs> <laughs> it's not because I don't like it it's because he didn't really do it yeah if, you, if you're going to see like Tim Burton movies then it's not really because it's not really his is it it's just his concept his idea it's he didn't the graft wise doesn't come from him nightmare is a, is a hard one and um, we reviewed it a couple of, i want to say a couple of years ago now honestly it's starting to everything starts to mesh into one um it's my sister's favorite but it, it came from me so i loved it and she kind of took it and ran with it and recently all of her collection all of her like very beautiful collection that she has came to my house <laughs> so if you go in my living room you would think fuck me you you, you like now if i christmas and i'm like i just didn't want them to go to anyone else <laughs> i think the issue for me is it's since disney bought it out and that's when i sort of started to really not 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 like it. The film is good. Yeah. It is, as a concept, the work that went into it, the, the craftsmanship for Stop Go, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. I know we're going off on a tangent a little bit here, but... Um, Wouldn't be monsters. When, <laughs> when Disney bought it out, the merchandising ruined it. It literally ruined the film because you could buy you could buy a butt cloth with a picture of somebody like Jack Skellington on. You mm-hmm. could buy just the worst products like... With, with with a character on from NBC because Disney had merchandised it to the point of death, yeah. you know. And, it, it you know, for me, it's not interesting. It doesn't hold any interest to me anymore. I used to sell the cookie jars of Lock, Shock and Barrel um, because you couldn't find anything back then of, like, no. uh, NBC I've got, stuff. I've got a jewellery. I've got a jewellery. But Michaela's all come from Florida, mm. um, and they are kind of unique um she has a a lock stock and barrel jewelry box so the bathtub is the jewelry box and they sit on top of it but it that's the kind of stuff that i got i also got a sally doll from her and it's in box and it's necker didn't know that until i did the toy episode and i was like oh i have this i have this necker sally doll and she is in box she's been fucking removed 
when I noticed when I was sitting messing around, I was just kind of when everyone's talking away on the podcast, I'm looking at it and I went, fucking ties are taken off her. I noticed, you know, the black ties, I went, the ties are taken off her. And I had an absolute meltdown. I was like, I started opening the box. And I went, she took her out of the box. <laughs> yeah, if there's one thing I know, I'm I'm quite similar to you. I do not take things out of boxes if they come in boxes, except for these massive, like, yeah, side Yeah, that's like the side shows you can't keep in a box. No. Funkos, I will. I don't have an issue. If my Funko was to fall over and break, I could not give two fucks. Uh, but my other collections, no. And especially anything on card, don't yeah. fucking rip them. Um, yeah, I was absolutely mortified with that. But I get the whole Nightmare Before Christmas thing, I do. Um, but Batman Forever, he doesn't really talk about this. And I really, it's so disappointing because it would have been nice to know and pinpoint what he did. I mean, I can only guess he had some hand in Two-Face. Well, it says designer creator. So yeah. I'm guessing that the look has come from him. Has yeah, to. I mean, really on Jim, what was there? An orange wig? His face was painted a bit. Little, yeah, I suppose just a little bit, but it, it was Jim. So I mean that that started his working relationship with Jim, that movie, mm-hmm. and that was the second Tim Burton movie he'd done after Ed Wood. So it's is you know, Batman Forever Tim Burton? Is it or did it no, drop? No, I don't then? think it. I think that's Schumacher. You know, I'm sure that's George right. Schumacher. Cause... Right. Yeah, because it finished at two, didn't it, Tim Burton? Yeah, because. Joel goes on to do the next one, which is the Batman and Robin with George Clooney. Clooney. And, um, and Chris O'Donnell. Yeah, Ooh. and if I remember my notes from that, he he didn't bring Val Kilmer on because disagreements or something like that. So I'm sure it's Joel Schumacher. You I'm might be right. I, I think my brain has just gone. Everything is Tim Burton just after that conversation. <laughs> yeah. But I knew I knew he definitely worked on two Tim Burton movies, which the other one we'll get to in a couple. Well, of his years. his relationship does not end with um with that with Edward. It actually there's one where I feel like he did it because Tim Burton was originally in it. But we will we will get yeah. to that when we yeah. get to the uh where is it. The end of the 90s. Um, so the next one, 1996. <laughs> He's a busy <laughs> boy then. Yes, because this is a lot of fucking work um, yeah. in this one. This is a nutty professor. And it simply just has makeup artists. This is the he second, said- this is his collaboration moment with Eddie Murphy. Yeah. So he's, he's ended his maths. Not Max, that's his son. John Landis, I was going to say Max Landis, I was going to fuck, I shouldn't say his name. John Landis's relationship is when he's Eddie Murphy one, and clearly from the, what was the film, Coming to America? Was it Coming to America? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. So I was just making sure. I was like, I've <laughs> <laughs> still not seen it. Um, so he's Coming to America, the scene with all the Eddies yeah. is clearly being used again in Nutty Professor. Yeah, he said that when they filmed the scene in the Nutty Professor where they're all around the table, mm-hmm. the original idea was to have different family members. So they were actually going to have actors in fat suits playing the different family members and then Eddie would just be the Nutty Professor. He would just be that character. But um, Eddie pushed really hard because he thought it would work better 
if he was every single one of well, them. Of, well, of course. <laughs> so he pushed hard and he was like, no, I, I can do this. You know, give me some credit. I'll do it. And like Rick said, they went away for a day and he just kept trying different makeup, like little makeups on him, like giving him a pair of glasses and some buck teeth and putting a yeah. little old lady wig on him. And he turned straight into the Nana. Yeah. And then like refining like a big old granddad that was, you know, the, the, um dungaree wearing guy that yeah. you know him and then having like a chavy brother you know oh, yeah. him, the american <laughs> equivalent of the the annoying brother so he, he he created all these characters in one day they they he said i think we walked away and he had like 20 characters locked away that he could use but he yeah. was waiting to see what the full look looked like and uh he rick said the hardest thing for him was sculpt in the acupuncture scene. Oh yeah. Because that's not Eddie. That's a that is a life is a, a face cast of Eddie. It's it's a literally a big uh foam latex suit that they put on the table and stabbed in with loads of needles and whatnot. <laughs> so it's not actually Eddie in a suit. It is just a cast of his head attached to a fat suit laying on a bed basically that is nuts. it's been a long time since i've watched Naughty professor um i think from like a makeup point of view it is some incredibly good detailed work in there incredibly yeah. good so much work though and that's yeah. why my brain cannot fathom how he's done four movies that year yeah. and the nutty professor being one of them with the amount of work that was in that that movie alone yeah absolutely insane it's crazy. It's it really is. Um, the next, the next one. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so excited to talk about the next yeah. one because in the same year we have the brightness. He gets. Uh, he starts working with Mr. Peter Jackson. Yes, this is a really. You will notice he has, and I can just put this down to his work and him himself. He has. He when he works with someone, his relationships do continue on. Yeah. Um, but the fact is, he is the artist for the judge. Yes. So his work is the judge. And holy shit, when you think about the... So in my head, the two ghosts who were with him originally, um, the nerdy-looking guy and the black guy, mm-hmm. they look... It almost looks very CG. Yeah. With what they do with them. But with the judge... Fucking jaw comes off, man. I, now, it's There's been a while since I've seen the Yeah, okay. same here. I'm, I'm so, going off pure memory, and we all know my memory's shit. Was the judge the one that possessed... Um, freak me. I can see his face. Yeah. Dr. Herbert West. Um, Jeffrey Coombs. There we go. Yes. Yeah, it was him. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm sure of it. Yeah. Um, I'm sure of it. <laughs> <laughs> my brain is all full of like, thank you, pardons, what's going on? Um, I'm just I'm just Googling um, the judge because I just want to make sure this image is just right in my head. Yeah. Okay, so the detail. Again, it, it's old man makeup. Yeah. And his jaw does dislocate off. Um, teeth are shown. 
oh god there is a lot of detail in this man like when you're looking at his face like full-on so much detail. and it's not just that it like kind of goes into his costume as well the yeah. hair pulled back because obviously the the misconception of when you die is that your hair keeps growing that is not true it's just your skin starts to shrink so it kind of pulls your hair back your hairline becomes oh it's awful um but yes the hairline is absolutely amazing because the hair is all the way back here and the decay is unreal i do urge you to go obviously if you haven't seen it go and watch it because it's an amazing film but just google just google the face of the judge and you will understand how how brilliant his old man makeup is it's so impressive um but that's all he's credited for and the frighteners, yeah, is old man the judge. judge, yeah, the judge. Next one, now you may have to take the lead on this because it's another movie I've not seen. I don't know much about this one if it's the one we're about to talk about. 1996 again, and um, we're staying in that year, and it is Escape from LA, Mr. Kurt Russell. Yeah, I, I couldn't find out a lot about this one. What, what you will find is, and a lot of this is based off our own our own eyes mm -hmm. because when it comes to Rick being interviewed he kind of sticks to the same movies yeah he doesn't he talk really much yeah no he kind of sticks to the same movies and his interviews and questions are exactly the same the only one that felt different was the Gilbert Godfrey one from all the ones yeah. that I watched. And that yeah. was because you had two fanboys talking to each other. <laughs> He's relaxing into it. Yeah. But, but the rest the of them... The thing about Escape from LA was that Rick always held that element of... Um, because Rob Bertine was his prodigy, yes. um, Rob got the thing. And mm -hmm. he was... Like, Rick was so happy for him. To, to yeah. get the thing, even there though is a know, lot of, there is a lot of pride in when he yeah. talks about this. Um, and we know that the thing damn near killed Rob. Um, oh, yeah, because when he hospitalized him, didn't it? You know, yeah. Um, honestly, go back and listen to the episode of the thing. Obviously, not while you're watching this or listening <laughs> to the call, but the episode of the thing with Mike Cal is absolutely brilliant. The, the amount that we go into with the work that he did mm. is quite detailed. Um, but the, Escape from LA is not, I've, I've not seen it. Well, the thing about it is that Rick always then, Rick made a decision then that he wanted to work with John himself. Well, yeah, you, yeah, I, I can understand that. I don't know off the top of my head how much John had to do, John Carpenter had to do with Escape from LA, whether it was all his movie, whether he was just an executive producer, whether he was a full-on director. I don't know enough about it. I know Snake Bliskin. I know Escape from New York. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know, the I know the character. It's it, Escape from LA was never one I really watched that much. Escape from New York was the one I watched. So Oh, there's another. Yeah, the, you've got oh. the original. So And this is, oh. a I think, I'll probably get lynched, but... I'm pretty sure Escape from LA was a sequel to Escape from New York. So I will I, I, honestly, I'll probably be if this isn't already added to the list of movies we're doing for the Sunday <laughs> episode. I'll probably add it. Th this is my way of watching things. I'm not even lying. I have put movies yeah. on there, so I have to watch them because I've never seen them before. Yeah. Um, and that will probably I'll if it's not already, I will be asking for that to be added on because I love Kurt Russell. Mm. Like I, th I think I've just such a, I think honestly I think after our episode on the thing, I have such a higher like 
what's the word I'm looking for? Appreciation. Higher yeah. appreciation for them. I am trying to, with these elder actors now, to appreciate them now. Yeah. And not be like when they pass, go, oh, why didn't I just appreciate that more when they're alive? Mm. And Clara Russell is one of them. With Godzilla, um, well, the, the Monarch TV series that just come out. No, I so really tell me the it, with... it had moments where I was just like, I'm bored now. Um, I wanted more monsters. That's what I'm there for. I'm not. I'm really not there for the love interest and all that stuff. I'm there for the monsters. Um, uh, I'm very character driven. Like I like I like character based things. This is why I like ridiculous as it sounds, but I love the royal family, the the TV show, um, the royal family, not the um, you know, them, but the <laughs> the royal family, and because it's all character driven, it's all it, regardless of what's going on. It's just I am like invested in these people but and invested the in their lives. That's the point with that kind of show. Whereas this one is but, a big budget CGI monster. TV I, got, show. I got so invested with them um, and to be honest I couldn't give two shits about what else was going on I wanted to be not Kurt Russell it was Wyatt Yeah, Wyatt. I fucking love that I want to stay with them all the time I dislike Wyatt as Captain America I didn't dislike him I just feel like he was very misplaced it was they it, didn't play that it, it could have been done a, better yeah it was a it was a, a I'm not saying he was a bad casting I just think it was an odd choice um I see why they did mm-hmm. makes sense but in yeah. the grand scheme of things I disliked him and I know that's the point that was the yeah. point with him you had to dislike him because he wasn't to be kosher. honest there was, there was a lot of bad stuff that went on with that program yeah <laughs> he's a winter soldier and the falcon Fal- falcon and winter soldier yeah. honestly to if the, if what the I think I said this one when I reviewed it the if if what they wanted was to get Sam Wilson from mm-hmm. point A to point B point A being not Captain America point B being Captain America they could have done it in such a different way and in a shorter period of time and also I understand where where we were at the time when this came out in the world in America especially and especially for the um the black community but it just felt like a forced agenda like a forced like we've got to get this in now and it didn't feel natural yeah it Um, was a weird weird tv series just weird yeah really strange but i loved um wyatt in the the godzilla to be Mm. honest when that spoilers when that godzilla came out the water i fucking shit a brook i'm not gonna lie but i just could not stop looking at it honestly i start i go awe when i see godzilla on the screen like in awe of like even regardless of it's cgi like i could not give two shits i am looking at some fuckers gone in there and done that work regardless of how you look at it yeah and i just i just sit in awe with it um so yeah where am I? Oh, yeah, we're in 19... We're, we're, we're jumping to 1997. Now, this has only just come to me in the last second or so. I just had a moment. Is this Michael Jackson? Ghosts. Ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. 
literally just out when i wrote it down i went oh i don't know what that is all right i'll just write it down and then two minutes ago i went oh fuck that's michael jack because when we were talking <laughs> about his collaboration with people i'm like oh shit yeah that's michael jackson i actually quite like this song and <laughs> i like this video um it's a bit weird but again old man makeup but <laughs> but it was to do with the fact that he'd already had the working relationship with michael from thriller yeah. by john landis um and michael when you hear rick talk about michael and his relationship with michael he he's very much like he just all he ever says is Michael is just a big child and he was so excited about everything and yeah. anything you could dress him up as an old man uh, uh you know uh, like a, a fat person a thin person you could dress him up as whatever you liked and he was just happy he yeah. just loved it because the process was so he was so in awe of everything that yeah. could be done because he looked at everything through those innocent eyes which I think you know so, like again, all bullshit aside, I, I just yeah. think it's an amazing ability to be able to do that in this day and age, to have that kind of, I know it's not this day and age, but, you know, to be able to look at everything through that kind of innocence and that, like, wonder that you yeah. don't get anymore. So No, you don't. Um, I I know I can picture it now, now that I uh, the there's a almost like a haunted mansion, which is another callback, uh, haunted mansion scene with the, the dancers, with the ghost. It's very, it, it is very thriller in respect to how it's got a start point. It's got a the, the song and a dance sequence. And then it's yeah. got the reveal of the, one of the guests being him. Cause he's, he's an older gentleman and he starts dancing from what I remember, honestly, it has literally just come to me in the last few seconds that this is Michael Jackson's Ghosts. It's a hell of a song. Have I ever told you I saw him live? <laughs> I did. I saw Michael Jackson History Tour. Um, 1990-something. Yeah. In Sheffield, England. That's why not. <laughs> yeah, I did. For my 13th birthday. I saw his best... sister. I saw, I've, I've seen Janet live. I saw her at oh, Wembley oh. when uh, I was 16. So 1996, I think it was. I tell you what, there's a hell of a documentary out on Janet Jackson done a couple of years ago. Fucking brilliant. I have so much respect for that woman. So much respect. Fuck just family as a whole was so messed up by the fam by the parents. Oh, hugely. And she knew that. Do you know she didn't even have a relationship with Michael when he died? The belly had one when they did scream together. Belly. The belly spoke. Um but she's a fucking amazing woman. Fuck Justin Timberlake. Um, ah. <laughs> yeah, he's not doing the best right now, is he? Let's be honest. He can so. go fuck himself. He deserves everything he gets. What he did to that woman was a fucking joke. Anyways, so... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm stuck on myself. Jessica Alba's sitting at her. Is it Jessica? No, it's not Jessica Alba. It's no. Jessica. The other one. Um, the other one. Her. I know who you mean. Christ, the She's in uh, Blade 3. I know who you mean. I can picture her as well, but I yeah. can't think of her name. It's not definitely not Alba. They're That's married, not... aren't they? Jessica, yeah. what's the name in Beale. it? Beale! There we go. Yeah, Jessica Beale and him. I bet you she's like, please don't go outside. Don't look <laughs> Don't look at your phone. <laughs> Throw that in the garden. Stay away from <laughs> the windows, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, we're still in 1997. Yep. And... Holy shit, the bed. This is his third Oscar win. And fuck me, does he deserve it for this? Yeah. I mean, I suppose you can cover all three movies in this one. 
let's do it because it would be easier. Yeah, um, it's, men, it's Men in Black. And yeah. he is the alien makeup artist on all three movies. He is the fucking genius behind Vincent D'Onofrio. Yes. Yes. Um, I had to check. I, I'd said it under my breath because I was like, is it Vincent? But yes, it is. Um, he oh. is... He is the makeup artist for Vincent D'Onofrio's absolutely amazing alien who manages to make his face stretch. And that is pure makeup. He... Rick is um, surprising in every way on this movie, to be honest. On the first one, he was responsible for Mikey as well. You know, the very first alien that has the Mexican guy's head on a stick. Um and when, oh, yeah, they, yeah. when they pull down the cloak, he's like he's like huddled around a stick. That Mikey, um, yeah. Mikey's a a, a a collaboration between CGI artists and an actual physical um, right. that they made. They, um, I think I saw uh, something that said it was um, he 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 was on stilts. The guy because they needed to make him really really tall. So for a lot of the standing still scenes with Mikey. Um, he made it, it, it is an actual like physical puppet, yeah. Um, costume, but that took ten months to make. Mikey, he took ten wow. months to make. Um, they had to make him eight feet eight feet tall. Um, but the, the all the mouth was animatronic because Rick went through a phase when he first started doing uh with Gremlins. Um, too, where he was experimenting. He he had been up until that point experimenting with radio controlled um, servos, and like with Harry and the Hendersons was where he sort of started. Yeah. Um, and then he moved on to sort of smaller little projects, and then he went balls to the wall with Gremlins too, with all the animatronics. Fuck <laughs> yeah, let's just do them all. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna use that again here. Yeah. So he. That one tiny little scene took what he does is he pre-programs the the words, the script into a computer. Mm-hmm. And then what they do is they create the um they, they like save all the patterns of the talking um and the and the movements and they record it all basically. Right. Um, so that when the dialogue's played, the mouth syncs up to the dialogue. Uh-huh. So when Mike is talking. It's all pre-programmed actions in, mm-hmm. in like, and it's done. But it took two days to film that tiny scene with Mikey in it. Jesus, two whole days. Um, wow, yeah, it was. But that's hell- that's some fucking again the fucking detail. Yeah, that is crazy. But his work on Vincent D'Onofrio is just wow. Well, he had a massive argument, a massive falling out over it, because they asked him to create. You know the end scene in the first one where the bug breaks out of Vincent at the end? Yes. The big cockroach dude. Well, they said they wanted something that was more alien queen-esque rather than a a cockroach. And um, (laughs) he he spent, I think he said it was something like six months. It took two teams to make two separate ones because they needed one that moved uh-huh. That was for like still shots and stuff. Yeah. Um, and it, Rick said, I just kept going back to the director saying, I don't understand how this is going to uncurl out of his body and it's going to stand at 12 feet tall. 
yeah it's in a tiny six foot tall body and you're going to double the size and he's like logistics man you need to think about <laughs> so he thinks that it's his fault that those two puppets never got used oh that's a shame because that he he was like he was like i just don't understand the logic behind what you're wanting yeah um also you know they they call him chucky which i never knew before but the prince that's inside the head of the dead jewel guy yeah i didn't know he had a name no i didn't until i was looking like looking into all this but his name is chucky oh they built two versions because they couldn't animate a puppet that tiny oh yeah they they could do basic movements like the head moving and it it going uh uh uh, you know gasping for air and stuff and so when um will smith and the other lady talking to him um, in that one they were uh they were talking to the smaller one but when they were doing all the close-up shots of chucky talking and his mouth Mm -hmm. moving they made a three-foot version Oh, it's huge! <laughs> Absolutely huge! And uh, again, it was like servos, radio controlled, and the pre-programmed for all the dialogue. And um, so they they built two. Like I said, there was one. They even had to build all the back in. So he's yeah. in the chair again. So they pre-programmed all for that. And um, it was. <laughs> he really said that was not one of his favorite bits because he he had too many arguments over how the how they wanted to make him so small and he wasn't interested in making him small he's like it doesn't make any sense why I'd be yeah small. no like, he's got to look at it from a from an actual visual point of view as well like it has to it has to look realistic he is come on fuck's sake when he's in the container bar scene like he knows what he's talking about when it comes to aliens and i love the fact that rick's actually starting like in the 90s stand up for himself because yeah. I don't feel Rick in the 70s or 80s would ever have done that. Not from the way he speaks anyway. Um, he also did two. He also did three. He is the creation behind Boris. Yes. Um, Boris the animal, Mr. Germain. Yeah. Oh, my God. Do you know how many times me and Ant watched the opening to Men in Black 3? What do we do in the shadows, Jermaine? <laughs> yes, what we do in the shadows. Um, Jermaine Clement from... Light of the Concords. He's also the lobster in Moana. For <laughs> you Moana fans. He does the shiny um song. But <laughs> um I've lost my train of thought now. What was I saying? Boris <laughs> the animal. I got too excited. I got too excited. <laughs> yeah, when we when we got this, when I, I really do love the Men in Jack Men in Black franchise. I generally do have a lot of love for it. I think they are just perfect Sunday films, like just Switch your mind off. Watch a bit of Will Smith before before he started slapping people at the Oscars. Um, Josh Brolin made a fantastic Tommy Lee. I will say that that was a oh, good brilliant casting. Um, but we got this on a copy DVD, um, <laughs> and for some reason, no, we didn't. This is the, this is this is just the time of torrents, and we got one, and it just for some reason, kept going back to the beginning. So we'd watch Nicole Trushinger walk in with the cake. Yeah. And then we'd see Nicole Trushinger getting flung out of the ship. 
and then they were going straight back to the beginning to where she was walking into the into the prison with the cake to then be shot back out again. The fuck would go back again? It did it about seven times before we were like, this isn't going any further than this opening scene. To be fair, though, like, that sounds like some weird loop, your time loop you'd be stuck in of Shirley being but sucked out and spat back in. Every time we watch Men in Black 3 or it's on in the background, me and Anth can fucking like, just remember that moment going, I can't watch the opening of this film again. <laughs> um, the makeup for Boris, though, is something to be marvelled at. Now, we have included all three together men in black 2 is 2002 mm-hmm. men in black 3 12 2012 is on my second it's on my second page <laughs> uh, it's 2012 the actual design of his face is fucking terrifying once mm-hmm. again old man makeup yeah with it with alien it's like combining everything to be honest, the hair as well kind of gives us a bit of monkey vibes, like werewolfy. Like, yeah, the 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 goggles were originally not going to be a thing. They were going to give him eyes, and he, he was like, "But if we give him goggles, he'll be able to see what he's doing." Obviously, there's that. The actor and element. Said, the actor is in there somewhere. He said, "But then also, you can use a gag when you take the goggles off. You can have a gag, you know." Mm-hmm. And they were like, "Well, what do you mean?" That was CGI, obviously. Um, all the little handy, <laughs> whatever they are, coming out yeah. of the bug bug arms or whatever they yeah. are. Yeah. They're all CGI coming out of it. They do come out of his eyes and his mouth, don't they? Yeah, something like that. Comes out of yeah. one wall. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they, that that is... Um, yeah, that was all, all, all Rick's idea to, to keep his, the eyes under tabs because he said it didn't make sense to, yeah. to have arms and legs coming out of the eyes if you saw the eyes all the time so I'm he wanted... sorry I've just freaked myself out <laughs> I've just shut the table and then my glass rattled and my instant thought was who's behind us it's not I'll tell you if there's someone behind you I will shit a brick if someone comes up behind <laughs> us here I am at my mother's house for anyone listening on audio I am sitting directly behind their conservatory like in their garden so if some fucker comes up behind us i've got a lot of questions to ask <laughs> sorry i'm so sorry and my heart dropped there for a second it was just me shaking the table and me glass rattling off it and i thought someone knocked at the door behind us instantly looked there <laughs> <laughs> oh god right i'm sorry boris <laughs> i've done it again i need to stop <laughs> I've brought me glass over here. Um, well, the, ne- the next one we go to, though, is something oh. that you find sacrilegious, as far as I'm aware. Which one? For your love of movies, uh-huh. one of your favourite movies that you uh-huh. told me is up there for you. Yeah. This was a sacrilegious piece of dumpster. I was ho- well, we can't, yeah, yeah, this can go and fuck itself, this film <laughs> in general. Um, Gus Van Sant can go again the fucking bin. Vince um, and Hesh. I, I I don't blame the actors. I will always, forever, and always blame Gus Van Sant. Um, I fucking hate the fact that this actually exists. There is this is the movie that you get to see Anne Hesh's butthole. If anyone, if you didn't know that, it's in there. Um, yeah, he did cycle. Now I thing. can't understand why because he hates blood. 
right? He's not a gore man. He passes out when he cuts mm. himself. Yep. He hates blood that much. Um, so this was a, an odd choice for me, but he did say he just wanted to make mum. Well, that's understandable. Look at it from his point of view. Couldn't do the first one. Couldn't do the original. You get the opportunity to come in and do one of the most iconics in cinema. Not just horror, but in cinema. But shot by shot, re like bad choice upon all, plague upon all their houses. It's just oh <laughs> fucking shame. Shame. <laughs> they can all go and get in the fucking bin. I remember I remember when this came out and I was like, are you are you you kidding? There's sort there's certain movies in here. Dog's not freaking us out. There's certain <laughs> movies in history, in cinema history, that do not need to be touched. Now, don't get us wrong. Bates Motel, Kraken, brilliant, absolutely excellent concept, brilliant casting. The idea of it's fantastic. Um, but that's not telling a direct word for word, line for line. Shot by shot <laughs> of an absolute masterpiece. This is a masterpiece in cinema. You can have your thoughts and opinions on Alfred Hitchcock. Really, you can. And I would be, I would probably stand there with you. But when it comes to this movie, you can't fucking touch it. What he did was fantastic. And Gus Van Sant just took everything that he did and said, I'll have that. And living in for me is the man who ruined it. So it's just it, wrong all around. Yeah. Go fuck off. I hate him. I generally, I wasn't going to bring that one up, to be honest. I was going to skip past it. <laughs> I'll go skip past it. Um, next, on, next is 1999. So if we if Psycho is 98, next one is 99. Now, is this, is this the Eddie Murphy movie? Life? Which one? Life. I don't know. I don't have that on my list. Right. Then the next one <laughs> is from, hang on, I've gone, fuck life, literally, because I've got, I actually have these in year order. Psycho's 98, then I've got life 99, and then the next one is, oh, well, well, worst is 98. I didn't have him working. I, I didn't have that one on my list, but that doesn't surprise me because it's very much along the lines of an early Boris makeup. Well. So this is my thought, just my thought, and it could be completely fucking wrong, and I could be completely out of the out of the wheelhouse on this one. But Wild Wild West was originally a Tim Burton movie, right? Okay. So it was originally that. a Tim Burton. movie. Well, the Spider, no, fucking hold the phone. Hang on. Well, Wild Wild West was not his movie. Superman. It all comes down to Nicolas Cage's Superman. So Tim Burton was going to be doing Nicolas Cage's Superman. You yeah. know, the big iron spider that is used in Wild Wild West? That is initially concept art for Spider for Superman. Fuck me, I'm getting too excited. And um, for <laughs> Superman. And that was the Tim Burton connection to Wild Wild West. Right. In my okay. head, I'm like, if there's a Tim Burton connection, maybe that's why he did it for, because of his collaborations previously, but he didn't actually have anything to fucking do with Wild Wild West. It just all stems from... Superman Superman Lives, I think that's what it was going to be called, and it was a Nicolas Cage movie, Tim Burton to direct, Kevin Smith to write. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a whole thing. There is a documentary I, that the great John, the great late John Schwepp did called The, the Death of Superman Lives. 
and it's all about this movie, how it eventually turns into Wild Wild West, because that's what the people with the money wanted. Yeah. Kenneth Branagh was the bad guy, wasn't he, in Wild Wild West? I couldn't tell you. I've seen this, I've seen this movie once, so a to me, I've never it? seen it at all. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of similarities in some of the makeups to how Boris the Animal looks. So I would say right. it was like an early concept because it's steampunk, you know, the, the goggles, mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of like, yeah, it looks nothing alike, but it looks similar, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So. Totally get yeah. Um, But yeah, that was I, I was thinking to myself, could that be the connection is the Tim Burton connection? But Tim Burton technically physically has nothing to do with Wild Wild West. It's the starting point because it literally, if you watch it, honestly, watch the documentary. It's so good. Um, the late John Schweff did it. We lost John. I say we, <laughs> like I knew him. I just used to follow him. Um, lost him a few a couple of years ago. And but he did this fantastic documentary. If that is his legacy, it is a fucking hell of a one to for to to leave us with because it was amazing it was the first time ever that people got to see Nicolas Cage in the Superman suit I've seen um, it. yeah it all stems from that documentary and it it tells the story of how a studio fucked fucked a movie and how what they wanted was these giant spiders and this and the other and they just got fucking wild wild west yeah. it, ended, it ended up being wild wild west in the end um Right, we're going to leave the 90s. We're going into the 2000s. And we're hitting the 2000s pretty strong. This is actually fucking huge. I generally, up until last week, when we were started the research for this, had no idea he had anything to do with this movie whatsoever. <laughs> it is his, where are we up to number-wise? Um, one, two, three, fourth Oscar win. And it is How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yeah, now... This was one of the most controversial behind the scenes. Massively. This is this is Rick Baker putting his yeah. big boy pants on and fucking going for it. He he took the studio head on yeah. with this. Um but it, Rick is responsible for what we see now. Oh um, yeah. You wouldn't you wouldn't have what this movie wouldn't be what it is without Rick's Rick really putting his foot down. Yeah, they basically, from what I could read, they basically wanted to just paint Jim Green. Yeah, because it's Jim Carrey. They're getting they'd getting Jim Carrey to do a Grinch movie, so they just wanted to paint his face green and say, "There's the Grinch." Yeah, and Rick Baker went, "Fuck no, that's not a Grinch. That's not the Grinch." No, did you so watch the fucking cartoon? <laughs> He basically went with the Doctor Zeus books and went, this is a Grinch. You want to make the Grinch movie? You, you're you making the whole of Whoville. You're making all the Whovians, you know, or whatever their names are. You know, yeah. I don't know. What, the people of Whoville. Um, you're going to the, the, the extreme of piggy nose and everybody. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the Grinch, you just want Jim Carrey painted green. He's like, that won't work. It just will not work. You're, you're cutting your nose off to spite your face. And then herein lies the issues. He got what he wanted. He did. Uh, Jim agreed to it. <laughs> until he, he had to... not, though. Uh, until he started having the, the makeup applied. There was, <laughs> there's been a lot of inconsistencies between the stories that Jim tells about it and the stories that Rick tells about it. Mm -hmm. I don't know initially if they fell out, as in never to speak again, 
No, but... he's never he's never said and he doesn't say like about especially in the Gilbert Godfrey one, and he talks in detail about this. Yeah. He didn't he didn't sound pissed off or harsh. And I don't think Rick has that in him, to be honest. I think he, he just dealt with Jack Nicholson by the sounds of it so. <laughs> yeah, I mean I get the impression that he'd just go, Oh fuck you and walk off and that'd be it. You never see him again for love and money for, for that situation. But with Jim, apparently when he was on set, there Rick wasn't applying the makeup. Rick sculpted the Grinch, but he didn't apply it on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim states that it took eight hours to put the makeup on, the suit on, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Rick says, bullshit, it was two and a half. Yes. <laughs> There's this discrepancy already. For the first, I think they said three or four weeks of shooting, Jim would just disappear. And they'd come back and he'd ripped off half the makeup because he was so claustrophobic after having it on. And that's then where the the story that most people know about him having to go through army training, Ron Howard actually putting on the suit himself to see how it felt. And he actually played the Grinch. (laughs) Yeah. There was one day where Ron Howard played the Grinch in the movie. So that's that's true. Yeah. So they had to put Jim through army training of um you know like the uh there's a graham norton interview where he explains all about it um about how like the, the it's like sas training basically where you get waterboarded <laughs> you get stuck in claustrophobic situations all that sort of thing and they had to get jim through it and they had to give him um things to do that would take his mind away from the panic when he yeah. started being claustrophobic so jim decided in his infinite wisdom he was gonna smoke that was jim's thing smoking and rick was like please do not smoke in a yak haired costume you're gonna go up like a fucking beacon. <laughs> you drop a cigarette on that and you're gonna go Woof. you're gonna look like a cooked turkey and not it's to a it would get to a certain stage where i'd be like fuck do it <laughs> on fire. there's loads of behind the scene photos if you look hard enough but jim carrey with his legs crossed dressed as a grinch smoking on a load of fags because yeah. it's his way of separating is like I, I, I kind of get it. It, it it was the one thing that helped me with anxiety i'm not lying like if i was stressed or anything i'd light a cigarette up i don't smoke anymore but i would light a cigarette up i need i need that kind of, always needed something it is it's, it's it's a crutch all it is, is just a crutch but the problem that they did have was they didn't take into consideration he was coming off the back of um i think the film was called man on the moon the uh andy, andy kaufman yeah. Now, that one that that did a number on Jim. I think that was yeah Jim's um, undoing um, as as a human, not as an actor. He went too too far. He went too deep. Yeah, he went too deep. Andy Kaufman is a bit of a, like enigma um, because of so many. Yeah. Well, the Jerry Law- the Jerry Lawler incident was oh. hilarious. So. Obviously, you've got the real-life version of Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman having a scuffle. It's technically all scripted. They knew The pair of them knew what they were doing with each other. But when Jim Carrey goes to do it, and they get Jerry Lawler in, because Jerry Lawler's still alive, they get Jerry Lawler to come and recreate, you know, and that's kind of an iconic moment for Jerry Lawler in his, in his career, yeah. um, especially in pop culture. And they get Jim Carrey to come in to do it, and he doesn't get it. He doesn't get the fact that it was all staged. He doesn't get the fact that they were actually friends. Mm-hmm. And he took it too far. 
and Jerry, Jerry ended up slapping him for real. Yeah, Jerry loses his shit with him. Yeah. Um, I've seen so many behind the scenes about Man on the Moon because it fascinated me how you can. We always knew Jim will always go down in infamy as being one of the best character actors out there. Like, 100%. 100%. You, you will never take that away from him. But I think it, that movie was the catalyst for his depression um, that has now become more talked about. And he does talk about like how his anxiety and depression has just taken the fun out of it for him. He doesn't want to do it anymore. He doesn't love anything. He doesn't love acting anymore. It's not something for him, but um he was the man on the moon he was so living andy's life every day yeah for i think it was like six or seven months andy was a very complex person oh hugely to a point of where he insisted jim insisted on people calling him andy off camera he would never come out of character he was always andy and it, it was to the detriment of even like um at the time he, Courtney Love was in that movie. She was playing she played his girlfriend at one point. I they think they were seeing each other, weren't they? This is oh, this is the, the yeah, I know exactly what fears this is. Yeah. Yeah. And, he, uh, so he was like he was all over the place. But he was doing everything that he thought um Andy, Andy would, would do. do. Yeah, and but what he didn't realize is that Andy was, he was a character himself. Yeah, there's there's the Andy at home and there's the Andy on telly. He was he was playing he's a character of him own self, and Jim didn't get that. Jim didn't even go and speak to people like Danny DeVito and Christopher Lloyd, who worked with him on Taxi and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. He didn't do enough of the personability factor. He yeah. just took the caricature he saw and adapted to that now that's a choice that's his choice it worked for the movie but when but he finished that film yeah, he, when he finished that film uh rem did the soundtrack man on the moon that's that that song is for that movie oh i did not know that and jim was supposed to be in the video that for the song mm -hmm. the, the music video jim didn't turn up for recording um. when they called him they said where are you he said i will never do Andy Kaufman again never and then I think it was about six months later he was in the Grinch so he hadn't he hadn't quite unraveled and there was a lot to unravel there's an MT very famous MTV moment where he gets up to present or something like that or he receives an award and instead he just sings the opening to Jesus Christ Superstar <laughs> dressed as a almost looking like a Vietnam vet um slash hobo there's well. just I don't know what I don't know what he was going for. He just he looked a state, but yeah, he just he just starts singing the opening to Jesus Christ Superstar, the um Judas song. That yes, I do know Jesus Christ Superstar. I like that musical. Um, so yeah, he was. That's a, that's a that's a lot to to go from such a dark place, and in six months' time, like. I'm the Grinch. I'm all happy. Yeah. I've got to put all this fucking makeup on. Now, Rick does talk a lot about how much he put his foot down in this movie because what they were, they paid for Jim Carrey. Yeah. In the studio's eyes, they paid for Jim Carrey. We're fucking getting Jim Carrey on that screen. Yeah. Um, but what they don't realise is that the Grinch has stole Christmas 
is incredibly like I don't know so much for us. It is in my household because it was something that was the the Boris Karloff um cartoon. He does the the narration for it yeah. on the the cartoon that was massively played in my house at Christmas. Um, still is because it was it's a, it's a fantastic fantastic cartoon. I've, I'm sure my sister's got the the book as well. Um, but I don't know how it is in the UK household. But in America, that's a kind of a like a big. The big thing. And the who's are very distinctively looking like the faces has a has a quite a, a look to it. And yeah. just to give Jim his face is a fucking joke. And to be honest, I I know to look at the makeup, you'll go, fuck no, I don't want that put on. But you've got to look at it from an audience point of view. That's gonna look fantastic. Mm. You've got to know that. You have to know that in your head. And um, he also played a who. In the Grinch of Soul Christmas, he did. He is not going to do all that makeup and say, I am not playing a fucking who. Actually, in saying that now, I think you're, yeah, I think I remember that. Because it's, because yeah. Cindy Lou Who, for those of you that don't know, is Taylor Momsen. Taylor yes. Momsen was in Gossip Girl. I never watched that. But she's also the lead singer of The Pretty Reckless. I knew she was obviously the lead singer. She was yeah. massive when she was like, oh my God, it's Cindy Lou Who. <laughs> but yeah it was one of those things that people are like oh my god she's actually a grown-up now and it's like yes she's not forever 10 years old you know people grow up hey, she was Funny a, she was a, I, I thought she looked fucking fantastic when she came out and I was like oh my god she's all grown up look at her <laughs> um so yeah you've got the 2000 I, I don't particularly want to go into the next one which is the second nutty professor because it's just really a recap on the first one same yes. makeup same style old man ladies different people um i know you want to talk about the next one though <laughs> i know so, you want to do this one what we're made in, you think of that just so you know what year we're in people it's a 2001 and it is planet of the apes yes uh this is my up there like joint favorite tim burton movie and people don't realize tim burton did planet of the apes do you know, if someone was to put a gun to my head and say, who did plant this? I would say instantly, Peter Jackson. <laughs> I when don't you know why. But when you look at the cast list, you've got Tim Roth, Helena Bonham Carter, obviously, because at the time they were, they, they never married, but, you know, they, I don't they think they were married. No, they did. Um, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you how I know after we finish recording. I don't want to say it online. Um, but yeah anyway I knew, I knew they lived in the house that was connected but they didn't technically well, live together it was, and over, it, it was, over, the, it was over the road it's over the road from each other and because because of how I know they were married is how I know that the house is over the road from each other <laughs> but um ah. the, the list alone of all the cameos that were in it as well Rick cameos at the beginning yeah as, a, as an older monkey obviously not rape as they're, they're pulling in with uh Marky Mark. I will forever call him Marky Mark. Mark Wahlberg. Um, you know, good vibrations. I do an amazing Marky Mark impression um, from Transformers. <laughs> but I will always know him as the pop star. You know, Donnie's lesser brother at the time because yeah. like, <laughs> Donnie was far more famous. Donnie was a fucking god. Compared fucking god. To, to Marky Mark. And then Marky comes out with a funky bunch. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then, like, everybody's like, oh, my God, that's Donnie's brother. God, he'll never make it. Boom, boogie uh, nights. Now boogie that we're night. Boom. Whoa, it's a Transformer? <laughs> eh, that's my market market impression. Um, 
yeah. yeah. Who'd, who'd have thought? Who'd have thought a funky bunch would turn into be a a mega movie star? <laughs> there's there's so much about this movie that I love. Just the sheer amount of work. Do you know how many apes they made for the whole film? Five hundred. Jesus, that's a lot of apes. Masks, appliances, over five hundred because of the fight scenes at the end. Yeah. Um, I actually rewatched this. I actually rewatched this this week because yeah. I'm so excited because this is like, I love I love Planet of the Apes movies. I love. I, I think I talked about this last week with my love for monkeys, obviously. And my love for apes. So I love King Kong. I love um I, I, I loved Harry and Henderson's uh and then <laughs> this one I always had, right? Confession time. When I was growing up, um Reservoir Dogs come out. Yeah. And that was my first introduction to a Mr. Tim Roth. Ah, Mr. And Orange. I crushed hard on Mr. Tim Roth. Wow. What, from still, do, still to do to this day, Tim Roth is like, I, I just, he's like my, I don't know. I I, I get older. Do you know, it's, this is weird, but I get older Tim Roth. I don't get younger Tim Roth. I'm like, hey, old man. <laughs> Look, it's not very often there's small men in the world. Tim Roth is a tiny man. He was someone it's, I could look in the eyes. It's not just it's just me all over. I have such a thing for older men. Um and but yet yeah, my husband is two years younger than me. So <laughs> figure that one out. <laughs> Rick had such an issue with Tim's face. Um when Tim Burton hired Tim Roth to play Fad, mm-hmm. um perfect casting for the mannerisms, the he he does angry very well, doesn't he? It was um he played that crazy chimp, that mad chimp, so well. Um couldn't see anybody else playing it now. But when Rick tried to explain to Tim Burton, these are the face shapes we need, these are the ones we don't need. So people mm. who look like me, big noses, big chins, no no. You want people with very soft features, small noses, so we can put the appliances on and the noses sort of disappear because obviously you've got to have the, we don't want to be building out too much. Well, in the end, they worked out a facial appliance for Tim where it was like a vacuum formed bit of plastic that they put like a mask over his own face. So it wasn't like it didn't sit directly onto his skin because he's Tim Ross nose is a big nose. He's got a big nose. So when they laid this vacuum-formed piece of plastic, they laid it so that the nose and the bridge of the head were more in line with each other. Yeah. So it would lose that really sharp, like, angle on the nose. And then they laid all the makeup on top of that. So his mouth, his eyes, um, and he had some movement in the like in this area as well uh-huh. but all around here was like a plastic appliance oh it was ever so like really they didn't concentrate on it enough but they showed like a little bit of, of Tim getting made up and uh he was like it was the only way we could do it to lose the nose otherwise he would never have looked like a chimp he's so good like I know we said this in part one but there is a reason he is the monkey man like they really is. I didn't um I've watched I have seen it because I am I am actually a huge fan of the original. Yeah. The, the, Apes, uh, the Charlton Heston one. 
yeah. but, but I do like that film. Um, but and I also love the new ones. Um, so do I, Caesar. Um, yeah, who did them? Oh, hmm. I think they were all different, weren't they? Um, I, I, no, yeah, you probably. I, I just I can't think of the top of my head who did them or if I've ever even looked into it. But I absolutely adored their movies because it just gives us so much. It gives us a lot of vibes from the original. Yeah, um, it was my favourite with um, Woody Harrelson because that yeah. man can wrong. Oh, that man can do me wrong. Um, <laughs> it was Woody... the amount of cameos in this movie. Charlton Heston was in it. Yes, that's right. He Can't was man, but yeah, he was Thad's dad. He was Thad's dad that died. Um, and I have Good. to apologise to everybody. I kept calling David Norton David Warner last week, and I don't know why I kept doing that. But David, actual David Warner, that was killed in the Omen. Had his head sliced off by the glass plate. That's David Warner. David That's David Warner. Warner. Yeah, he's in this as well. He plays um, Helena Bonham Carter's dad. Yeah, really? And also, you have That's the Tim a... Burton connection with having Glenn Shaddix in it. Now, the name doesn't ring a bell for a lot of people, but if, I, just tell you, if I tell you Otho, Otho, however people say it, from Beetlejuice... The, the, the big, large, eccentric guy with the spray can. Yes. He's the big orangutan at the dinner dinner party. He is a, he is a Tim Burton actor. Um, yeah. Sadly, he died not long after this, didn't he? Yeah. Yes, I I knew the name, mm. but I could not... I, I, that, that stumped us there for a second. Um, yeah, he's a Tim Burton. I didn't... I don't think I appreciate this movie as much as... For when it came out, because it was... It didn't have my feel that I remembered from the original. Yeah. Um, and I was like, ah, fuck this. Fuck you, Tim Burton. Who fuck do you think you are, Tim Burton? <laughs> fuck, coming in here with your monkeys. Yeah. But now, in my 40s, um, I then obviously start looking at looking at movies, not just looking at the whole picture. Yeah. I, I, I need to appreciate this one a bit more than what I did. Yeah, I mean, the, the things about this one as well was there was three types of monkeys they made. The in the, hell, man! How much? How much detail? <laughs> oh, I know, I, I know this. I know this movie. <laughs> there there was three it. types of monkeys. Not, I'm not talking about like orangutans and chimps and, and stuff like that. There was three levels. You had your number ones, which were all your like main lead casts. Yeah. Then you had your number two, which were your functional ones that would get close ups and would have to move and yeah. animate their faces and maybe have the odd line here or there. And then you had your backgrounds, which were just masks. Um, and it, like I say, there was 500 made. But there was this one behind the scenes done with the guy who played Kroll. And I've forgotten his name, but he was Helena Bonham Carter's keeper-like guy that followed her around everywhere in yeah. this movie. And he did a get ready with me back when this movie was on. And he showed how the makeup was made with him going from himself to turning into Kroll to explaining how they got dressed. And because they were filming in the middle of the desert for the fight scene at the end, mm -hmm. they were wearing thermal clothes underneath because it was, even during the daytime, it was like minus something out there. So they had thermal clothing on, then they had the costume over the top and everybody's feet to look like monkey feet were, I don't know if you've seen them, but surfers have split toed shoes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so everybody's feet, you were sitting in split-toed uh, split surfer shoes 
where they just built the toes on the end. Can you not? Can you not remember when they were a thing? When they were a fashion thing? I still have some from when I used to go surfing. I've got. Mine <laughs> weren't surfing. I was what around the house with them. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, just watching the guy who played Kroll go through the, he took you through his entire day. The makeup yeah. going on, the, the costume, the filming, and then the removal process, and um, it was really, really interesting to watch. Same with. Paul Giamatti, he did a um yeah, he's a name he at the minute, isn't he? Huh? He's a name at the minute, isn't he? He's up for Oscar this year. Yeah, for that the holdovers or something, isn't Yeah, it? he's called? he's winning he's winning all the awards. Um yeah. if he gets the BAFTA, the likelihood is he'll probably go and get the Oscar. Yeah. Because BAFTA's kind of de- well, you see, I say that BAFTA's determine usually determine the winner of the Oscars, mm-hmm. but the year where Oh my gosh, Wrestler and Milk were in the same category and Rock wins the BAFTA and Penn wins the fucking Oscar and everyone was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love that film and I understand it has its flaws, but um, Rick kept saying something that icked me out a little bit, to be fair, about that movie. He kept saying, I needed to make Helena beautiful. I needed to make her a beautiful monkey. And some of the tests we did, she was vile. I couldn't look at her. And I was just like, That's how you. is there such thing as a beautiful monkey? I really don't quite understand that statement. But you okay. could put that woman in a fucking bin bag and she would make it fucking work. You could you could put the most ugliest makeup on her or what you think was ugly makeup and she would make the fucker work. She has yeah. such an amazing face. Yeah. And I'll always stem back to um, Frankenstein, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. She, at the end, was fucking beautiful, even though she's not meant to be. <laughs> I love her. I absolutely love her. Um, on now. I'll stop talking about it. No. <laughs> I love uh, Do you know what? At some point, we will go all, all monkey here, all gorilla, all monkey, and we will find a way of bringing in, because... I get very I get very excited when we do like when we did the Godzilla episode, I was explaining this last week that I just I get like, ooh, yeah, fuck yeah. So yeah, we'll find a way. We'll find a way, Dan. We will find a way. Um 2001 is Planet of the Apes. Then Men in Black. No, no, doing that. Next one, 2002. I don't have a great deal to say on this. But he did the ring. And he did the ring too. <laughs> Which I find bizarre because what was there to do? Because the he didn't do any concept work on it because Samara was already a thing for yeah, the yeah, Japanese just, movies. Yeah. So were they were just recreating you just Japanese. make a partners on this. Yeah. Yeah, but I think he did have something to do with um where she comes out of the TV, that iconic scene of Samara coming out of the TV. Um, there was something he did with that, but I don't know how involved he was, whether it was the company, whether it's him directly, whether it was something. They just skim over it in any interview. Ex- like, exactly. This is what we were saying earlier. This, he has his he has his like little Rolodex where he's like, oh, I can talk about this. But doesn't mention the fact that he's done the ring. The next one, I didn't even know he did either because he doesn't talk about this one, which is the Haunted Mansion from 2003. The Eddie Murphy one. Eddie Murphy one, another collaboration with Eddie Murphy. He's a special effects creator creator on this um movie. And there is a lot of fucking detail that went into this. Like, 
call this film what you want. I fucking actually really enjoy it. I really love the new Tilly. one as well. You, you, Madame Leota was Jennifer Tilly, so you're not going to get a losing from me there. Exactly. So. <laughs> even I even loved the new one they did, and the fact it's Jimmy Lee. Oh, hey. Um, but yeah, it doesn't. It, there's not a lot of great detail when it comes into movies like that because I I had to find that out from Wikipedia. Mm. He hasn't really talked about it. The next one though might pique your interest. Because we're in 2004, he is a makeup consultant and a special effects director for the actual creation that is sitting behind you, which is Hellboy. That is oh, him. Oh, oh, come on, then. Had nothing to do with Hellboy. Oh. Sin, sin, the the well, company pick my job off the ground. The, com- the company did, his company did. He was not the lead makeup artist. He was not the makeup That's artist. Him. He was not the designer. He didn't do shit all on it. Well, do you know how we had that a la carte moment last week? The yeah. mind blowing? Mind blowing. Yeah. It's, this it's is why he doesn't say. talk about it. Because it's his name. On the on on the face of it, because they knew it would get get further. Um, but if you read that that book that I was no, reading for earlier, audio listeners, tell them the title of the book. The book is called. Oh, sorry, excuse me. Masters of Makeup Effects: A Century of Practical Magic, and it's got a forward in it from Guillermo del Toro, and for some oh. reason, an afterward by Seth MacFarlane, a Family Guy. Um, Why not? I'm not really sure what that's about, but. Um, in there, it, it, it's like an encyclopedia of quotes from every single, uh, and interviews from every single makeup artist and special effects artist there is. Mm. And they get to the section about Hellboy, and Rick isn't mentioned once. It's all about, I can't remember the guy's name, so please do forgive me, but it's like Justin or John or something like that. And he was the guy that concepted, went with Mike Mangella, is it? Mangella, um, the guy yeah. who- originally did Hellboy he sat down they developed the sketches together um, and basically all Rick did was sign them off so well according well, to what I've read I'm oh my god I am no but it makes sense because he doesn't talk about it you didn't mention it once in the Gilbert Godfrey podcast and I thought that would have been a fucking well <laughs> I am shook. Um, he is shooketh. I really am. <laughs> the, he did the ring too. Um, yeah. in two thousand and five, he did King Kong in two thousand and five. But he's just an actor. Mm. He's not even credited for makeup in that. Um, next is the cursed in two thousand and five. No. No. Yes. <laughs> No, this is, right, it's a Christina Ricci movie. Right. Uh, Christina Ricci and I think Joshua Jackson's in this one. Could be wrong. But it was basically um, the Weinstein Company. Now, Wes Craven wrote it. It's a Wes Craven movie. Okay. Um, And so that's what sold Rick when he came into the fold. He was like, okay, it's a Wes movie. Great. I'm I'm in, you know. It's a werewolf film. I, I, I mean, obviously, it's well, cursed. Yeah. 
Um, but Bob Weinstein approached Rick, not Wes. And uh, just who it was, Rick originally turned it down. Um, but Bob Weinstein backed him into a corner and, was, and, and said, you know, what is your terms? What will you do it for? And then Rick said, if you leave me alone, I don't want studio interference. I don't want Wes telling me that this is wrong, that's wrong. Give me my outline, give me my brief, give me my money and then leave me alone to do what I need to do which is oh, Rick yeah. all over. <laughs> it's Rick all over. That's that's his opinion. At this stage, yeah. And Bob agreed to it. He said, yep, lovely, sign on the dotted line, perfect. Uh-huh. And being a Weinstein, he's a shit bag, and he lied. Allegedly, um, he lied. And the studio interfered. Um, they started filming the entire movie before the script had even finished, been finished. They were so determined to get it out. For whatever reason, I don't know. Um, they shut the film down halfway through filming and Rick had already sculpted the majority of the prosthetics needed for not only the wolf, but all the other special effects that needed yeah. And he had a team of about 20 people working on this film. So he said to Bob, keep my guys on, let them finish the prosthetics. Um because if you shut us down and stop us now, we're not going to be able to match what we've done mm -hmm. due to, we don't know when the next time is that, you know, you're going to be able to get the movie back up and running. We don't know. It could be a year. It could be 10. They could be degraded. Yeah. We don't know. You know, we want to get everything done as possible. So Bob was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't take any of them on. Just shut the movie down. Um, so Rick, when they came back to Rick a couple of years later and said, right, we want to start the film up again. Rick went, fuck you. I'm not doing it. So, getting, miss? and uh, because of them letting down his entire team, basically, and... well, yeah, it's not just him, like, don't, just don't think like he is single handedly doing all this, he has a team behind him. And then, honestly, man, the bunch of fucking glad they're not glad. What did Bob do though? He continued to do the movie, used all the prosthetics that they'd already done. Oh, yes, and credited is... Rick in the bloody titles at the end. They cred they still used Rick name Rick's name at the end. Rick was absolutely livid with it. He said, I didn't have anything to do with half of that shit. He said, it was nothing to do with my company. Can't put, you can't Sorry, put his yeah. name to shit that he didn't do. That, and even if it has like part of it in, you mm -hmm. don't know who's been tampering with that and touching it. That's like his, exactly. his whole fucking livelihood. Yeah, he was like, he was he was livid. He said, I never, I never wanted to work with him again directly. He said, never. Oh, I wouldn't either. Bunch of dodgy <laughs> bastards. It's a good job on them in fucking prison. Um... The next one, kind of surprised at this one. Um, don't know a great deal about what he did, but it's 2006 and it's X-Men The Last Stand. Couldn't find anything. Couldn't it's, find a goddamn thing. Couldn't find a thing. Nah, he's just a consultant. So he probably went, uh, yeah, that hat's a bit strange for his shape. <laughs> Make her hair red. She's meant Patrick to be a phoenix. Head bald enough, you know. Yeah. yeah. Give it a shine. <laughs> <laughs> Um, 2006 again we've got Click is this Adam Sandler one this is he only did age makeup in this I don't I don't again, nope uh, next one is 2007 with Enchanted that's the uh, not is it Amy Adams Amy, Amy Adams and Patrick Dempsey yeah never Terrible seen it film, but never seen it yeah I don't know He's just make he's down as makeup artist. 
2007 again we got Norbit which is the which, Nutty Professor which yeah. is which is just uh, 2008 2008 this movie is fucking fantastic I don't care what you say he is responsible for Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder he doesn't talk much about it though because I, I am not surprised. <laughs> I think he skirts on the line of like he doesn't know whether it's he's still on the fence of whether he thinks he went too far or not. Um Robert still stands by the fact it's satire. I've seen interviews with the other cast members. Um the guy who was like booty sweat, I can't remember his name. The yeah, you know, I know who yeah. Um he I've seen interviews with him and he says to this day, everything Robert did was he was just a parody of everything yeah. but he was the same where he wouldn't stop being him he does bring character to the dvd commentary you know he was like <laughs> he was still like it off offset and he went he used to just take it too far and i used to be like hold up and then that's when ben liked the scene because ben kept saying to to robert push him harder you're not upsetting him he's like and I hate to use the, the phrase, but he was the only black guy on that cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he, like Ben kept saying, make him angry, keep pushing him. And so Robert would just keep going at the poor lad, keep going and keep going, just coming out with, hmm, yeah, you know, all that stuff that was winding but him Honestly, take, take away the makeup, take away everything, strip it all back. And RDJ's performance in that is fucking phenomenal. Um, again, Oscar worthy this year can't fucking believe that robert downey jr is in the category for oscars again last time he did this was chaplin mm-hmm. um and it, he's doing it for oppenheimer honestly it fuck he's breathtaking in it i've oh, never dan it is such anything if nothing science always <laughs> interesting science. always always interesting um performance wise yeah when Killian Murphy is fucking bringing his ear game. Yeah. Absolutely. No doubt about it. I will be very shocked if the man doesn't walk away with an Oscar this year for that movie. But Robert Downey Jr. to strip it back. Robert Downey Jr. in Chaplin. That's epitome. That's that's yeah. his... He is an absolute fucking firehouse in that. And he brings that energy that he did in Chaplin to this. And it's 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 hard to like put your fingers on it because he's not the, the movie's not it's not his movie yes he is the catalyst for the events but it's not his movie same so managers to make it but this is the thing uh, same with Tropic Thunder you look at the cast list Nick Nolte Danny McBride which I still have issues with you Danny you're a funny man mm. who came up with that atrocity that is the yeah new trilogy of the fucking Halloween movies. Um, Then you have uh, Ben Stiller, Steve Coogan, uh, Jack Black. You know, you're going through this list. Tom Cruise, Bill Hader, Steve Coogan. Can I just say Tom Cruise, can't stand him on a daily basis, but Les Grossman is a stroke of fucking genius. To me, Les Grossman is Tom Cruise's pièce de résistance for me. That is... yeah. Tom Cruise in his personal life and go and fuck off, but I would be very hard fetched to say that I have never not enjoyed a Tom Cruise film, and I hate fucking saying it. I really do because I 
fucking hate everything the man stands for, but it is very hard push to say. I didn't enjoy that. I honestly, Les Grossman, the dancing, Bill Hader being just so wet. Uh, you know, it, it it's fantastic. But let when you look at the makeup that Rick did do on yeah. Robert Downey Jr., you forget that's Robert Downey Jr. Oh, instantly. So instantly, it's it, yeah. He's so he <laughs> you're Australian. He's <laughs> Australian. <laughs> And then there's that scene with him and Toby Maguire as monks holding oh. hands <laughs> with a cross, and his beautiful blue eyes, and he's like, "Oh, I just love it." Kirk I, Lazarus, I, that was his name, Kirk yes. Lazarus. Yeah, see, I, I have that film a lot for, for a very long time in the early early days of RDJ's career. I generally thought he was Australian because in um, Natural Born Killers, he plays Nozzy, and I honestly thought he was an Austra- I thought he was an Australian. Because I was like, whoa, you're really good in Australian accent, mate. He was good in uh, Weird Science when I was growing up. That's where I originally saw him from, Weird Science, because he was one of um, the bullies that used to bully. Yeah. Gary. He was part of, he was kind of part of the rat, the, the brat pack of the that era. Pack, yeah. Um, but Michaela absolutely adores him. Chaplin, she absolutely loved that film. Um, she loved Robert Downey Jr. But she loved Robert Downey Jr in his cracked ears. She <laughs> did not like it when Robert Downey Jr. got clean and became <laughs> Iron Man. <laughs> well, I... Down it out, Downey. <laughs> the, com- the comeback for him was the I Want Love video for Elton John, wasn't it? That's when he came back. The end was Ali McBeal. Mm. The ending was the ending was Ali McBeal. He was in a stint of that for a bit and he got arrested and charged. Good and time, I think- yeah. That was that was the point of no return, basically. Um, and then yeah, he just comes out with the Elton John video, and all of a sudden the fuck is Iron Man and enjoying a 10-year career as part of one of the biggest movie franchises of our time. And it's the Lord and Savior that saved all from Mr. Thanos himself, you know? Yeah. He is Iron Man. It's crazy, but the makeup in Tropic Thunder, I have, I, I don't, I, it's a really hard one, isn't it? Because it is essentially, it is blackface, but it's more, it's more than that. It's more but, than. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I don't, I'm trying to choose my words carefully. Yeah, no, that's fair enough because I've seen a lot of interviews with people that have seen it and I've gone, that's my uncle. That's my granddad. I know that bloke. He used to eat at the, yeah. you know, he's from the shop around the corner. So he is recognised as, whilst it's a very controversial thing, he did a job of it that was so good that even the majority of the black community wet themselves when they watch yeah. him do it because they're just like, we know that guy. We yeah. know the guy he's trying to portray he is the guy playing the guy playing the dude who's playing another dude (laughs) and you know what it's lines like that that kind of help you understand that there is so much more to this character than what you're actually looking at yeah i i have a lot of love for tropic thunder it still to this day makes me fucking wet myself like with ben stiller in the in the bushes with a fucking panda head Mm -hmm. just Honestly, in the whole um, apocalypse now ending, I just fucking, why are you running so slow? 
can get you TiVo Man and a G5, a G5 airplane. <laughs> it's Bradley. Who's he, the agent? It's, it's Buffy McConaughey. Fuck yes, I forget about that. Where he's like all worried that this panda, this panda person is going to take me. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, the next one in twenty ten is his last Oscar win. Last Oscar win, yeah. um, and it is the Wolfman. And I'm guessing yeah. this is the Benicio del Toro. No, yeah, correct. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Um. Yeah. A lot went down in this movie in respect of he said that him and his team were the only people that seemed excited to be on it, apart from Anthony Hopkins and Benicio del Toro. They, they, all, those, those two actors and and Rick's team were in it to make a Wolfman Universal movie. Nobody else was, not the director, not the producers, not the studio. Hence, why it ended up. That's a shame lukewarm yeah and that is a goddamn shame because that the casting of that could have started something phenomenal have you seen universal's new park opening next year with mario land and the dark universe i wasn't sure whether they were going to do that or not so yeah they, they released the plans yesterday mario something dragons um something else oh they've expanded on the harry potter world they've they've created something else for that is this florida or la florida um and then dark universe the dark universe and i went you know what you could just call it what it fucking is it's universal monsters you don't have fucking universal studios without fucking universal monsters you fucking cretins um <laughs> But yeah, Dark Universe. So does it does it feel like they could eventually do something with it? Possibly, if they've got a theme park there. You know? yeah. I mean, the, the, he had nothing but issues on this. Rick, again, he had to fight. This is where his love was slowly ebbing out. Yeah. For working in movies. Because he, he, he went from being... Uh, uh, a special effects makeup artist who had creative control of everything he did and the studios didn't care because he was Rick Baker and and they were happy to have him on board and they wanted him there and to then go into this one where look at this right he got called into a production office Rick Baker Mm -hmm. and sat down and it was one of the purse string producers right and and they said to him right can I just ask you this purchase here is it necessary and Rick said it took me a second to read the purchase and then realize what they were asking me. And I sat there for a second and I looked at it again and I thought, surely they're messing around. He said, can you just clarify what you mean? And the guy was like, is this purchase necessary? Um, do you really need this much? And he looked, looked at him again, he went, you're asking me why I'm buying hair in for a Wolfman movie. You fucking idiot. <laughs> and he was like, I have to make up at least two of the lead characters into walls. Um, this isn't all of it that I'll need. This is probably going to last us maybe a couple of months, you know, but we're probably going to have to order again. And he's like, no, I can't have you ordering this much. And he's like... I do. 
Like, come on, people, man. He, this is, and that, and like I said, that is where the love start, started to leave for him because he was like, yeah, I, I wanted to make a Wolfman movie. I was there to make a Wolfman movie. Anthony and Benicio were there. Benicio was, is like a, a kid in a candy shop. He was so obsessed with monsters. Yeah. He was Monsters of Filmland kid. He bought in the magazines whilst they were getting made yeah. up to, to sit oh, there. Oh, that's so cool. And then you've got like a, such a disappointing like, reaction from the studio and that. The studio were like, you can't make a, a two-legged Wolfman. I want a four-legged... Um, do you know how fucking hard that is? Do you know how many wheelbarrows we're gonna need? <laughs> they were like, we want, we want a full transformation into a four-legged American werewolf, and he was like, it's called the Wolf Man. It's not called the Wolf. It's called the Wolf Man. Biped, two legs. That's this is what you're gonna get because Wolf Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he felt, he felt like they didn't know anything about what they were doing. It was just they shoved the producer it's such and they a went fucking oh, shame. It's such a shame because that is such a great cast to start off a universe. Even if it took years down the line to build up on it. Something like we don't need like a fucking movie a year or do you know what I mean? Just something like to build on. That is such a great starting point and possibly could be the catalyst for the fact that he only has two movies left after this. The nail in the coffin on this movie was for, for Rick. There was a transformation scene where Benicio del Toro is stuck in the chair in the doc in like the the amphitheatery little thing. Right. And you can see his fingers start breaking and twisting, and he's, he's just starting to change. <laughs> Rick and his team had sculpted the entire scene from fingers changing to extensions to the hair to the absolutely everything, and um, they came into work. They've been like said they weren't needed for a couple of days. Um, they were sent off. They came back and uh, they'd have filmed the entire scene, used every idea of Rick's, but CGI. They put the whole thing into CGI. So Rick was like, do you know what? Do you not realise, people, you have an Oscar winner and the man who created the transformation of man to fucking werewolf. You have him. He is your makeup artist they on a fucking Wolfman movie. But he said the hardest thing was it was teaching people like um, Spencer Wilding played Benicio Del Toro's stunt double. Um, right. Spencer Wilding, for some people who they don't know, uh, it was also once played Darth Vader. <laughs> so Spencer Wilding does do a lot of convention appearances. Um, and he's, he's tall. He's <laughs> one is one floggable thing is that he he played Darth Vader once, but he was the stunt double for Benicio del Toro in this, and he felt like he had to teach Benicio. Rick was the one teaching Spencer how to do the walk, how to do the you know the slung like, yeah. the, and he said it got to a point where it was just like no one cared on this movie. Oh, that's such a goddamn shame. And that's what he said. It was like this one was his very first and only. You're right there. <laughs> Saw that. This one was his very first and only nod to the Universal Monsters. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. And, the fuck and it, just happened there? I don't know. Everything went out at your house, didn't it? Just went black. Yes. Yeah. It was just the oh, light. What is going on? <laughs> just all the lights went off. I just saw everything just flicker. Like, literally, yeah, literally everything just went off. My telly didn't, though. 
No, I've got the telly on in the, uh, here. That didn't I can see it in the reflection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I. Do you know what? This whole podcast, I have felt so out of sorts. This here is fucking bothering us. And then that happens. Jesus wept, man. <laughs> And we're talking about the dark universe. It's probably <laughs> everything stopped now. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> oh, crazy. Um, twenty twelve is Men in Black three. Yeah, we'll bear it. The last movie, the one that he said, "I am going to fucking retire on this one." Twenty fourteen's Maleficent. Maleficent. I can't actually say it. Maleficent. Um, he did the Angel- Angelina Jolie's makeup for Maleficent. Basically, what happened was Angelina Jolie said she wouldn't do the movie without Rick doing her makeup. Good for her. So <laughs> they got Rick on board, and he said he had a challenge on his hands because they wanted Maleficent to look like the 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 animated version but also give her a new kind of twist mm-hmm. but keeping Jolie's beauty at the same time so they were coming off someone came off the back and I don't know whether they worked with Rick or they saw the video and then um got the permission to use it but Lady Gaga did a video and I think it might have been born this way I can't remember it might not have been that one but there was a video she did for one of her music's uh a music video she did where her cheekbones were really overpronounced. Um, yeah, I think you're right. And so they took the idea from there, and that's right. where they applied it to jo- Angelina, um, because they wanted to draw in her cheeks, but keep that yeah angular an- angular sort of thing going on. Um, and it, it worked. He said he still got to keep her beautiful in this one. He had nothing to do with number two, but just this one. Yeah, because uh, he, he retired after this one. He'd had enough. And I'd, by what we've just been talking about, I'm not fucking surprised. Well, at the very beginning of Maleficent, there's um, baby. Is it Aurora? It is, isn't it? It is. Um, you're probably not surprised by this, but and you and you would think I would have seen this. It should be in my wheelhouse, but I have never seen either of them. At the very beginning of this one, there is baby Aurora in the bassinet and they are played by my friend Christine's daughters, Annie and Esther. So Christine said she'd listen to this and I did get permission to use the girls' names for this. So hello to Annie and Esther, just in case you're listening. They're, they're They're now about 13, 14, something like that. Apologies if you're a bit younger, but they're around about that ballpark. But they were the babies. Nah, they're fine. I know their mother. Sorry, Christine. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> the the they were as most people know. If you're going to cast a child, you should cast twins because labor always. Yeah. Um. So the the girls at the beginning in the bassinet, there's only one, but it's it's twins, and it was Annie and Esther, and they got wow. Angelina Jolie. You'll see her. She peers through the window to look at Baby Aurora. Mm-hmm. And in the uh, there's a bit of a scene where you see like on the outtakes, um, one of the babies starts crying and they see Angelina and you see Christine pegging it over. To the baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming. <laughs> yeah. And 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 yeah, to this day she said uh, Christine d- did say if I remember rightly, and I'm sorry if I get this quote wrong, but um, I remember Christine saying that Angelina was just lovely. She didn't mean to make the kids cry and she was really upset. She, you know, she was kind oh. of like, oh, 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 o
I can't imagine I've been a dick about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but people always surprise you, don't they? So they do, they do. I mean, Jack Nicholson doesn't, and the stories yeah. you've just told about him that doesn't surprise me at all. And um, but yeah, this is the movie that ends his career, and he's had enough, and realizes that he just wants to make monsters for and aliens for himself, mm. and that's what he does right now. So what he did was he went through all of his basement stuff because he was a hoarder he openly yep. admits he's a hoarder of his own stuff and i mentioned it earlier on the gremlin section but he put a lot of his sculpts his prototypes his actual screen used items up for sale it's kind of like his studio, his studio work because he yeah. kind of i think he wanted to go in completely fresh like i'm going to be creating my own original concept my own original art do you know how much his collection went for Yes. This number fucking staggered me because I, in my head, this is worth trillions. One million. Yeah, a million. A million. Which was shocking, really. But when you when you break it down, they only expected to... I say only, it's not kind of money I have to spark on something like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like um, I've got a fucking a million sitting in me with me back <laughs> account on now. But when, you, when you're thinking of the scope of it... Yeah, I mean... Behind it. I want to say um, Stripe himself... Uh, not strike it would have been mohawk because it was the second one he only went estimated between six to eight thousand i don't know how much he went for in the end but the original screen used mohawk gremlin was only estimated between six and eight thousand yet the head from the thing when that went up for auction um went up for 30 grand upwards estimation a starting bid of 30k so That's i don't know how I'm not saying that Rob Bottom didn't Botine didn't do a good job, but the provenance that comes with Rick Baker, yeah, is huge. The name sells; it, it comes first. Rob is Rick's protege, but Rob isn't where people's brains go to when they say special effects. You go to Tom Savini, Greg Nicotero, you go to Rick Baker, you you know Jack Pierce. Yep. They, they're your, yeah, they're your people. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, and I'm really glad that we did that whole episode on the thing and got a chance to talk about him because he, the work that he did on that is just mwah. Um, so, yeah, that ends his career. You can see him on, you can see him on YouTube. Um, he has a, a YouTube channel um, where he posts up regularly. And his Instagram where he posts regular. He is literally creating his own old man makeup a lot of old man makeup <laughs> he also has done a recent collection in, in the last few years with mac cosmetics fuck right off did not know that will not use yeah. the products but did not know that <laughs> i didn't know it either i don't know how long ago or how new it was it could have been three years five years could have been six months i don't know but he did a collaboration with mac damn cosmetics. you damn you mac see I don't use products that are tested on animals. Even though I'm not vegan anymore, I still don't. I kind of try to stay away from it all. Um, Mac sells in China. So right. for all that might not be technically tested here, yeah, they sell in China. And they do. Um, so can't, I will not use their I will not use their products. I don't think I've ever bought anything Mac anyway, so no. <laughs> no, not interested. Um yeah. my god. That was Rick Baker. <laughs> that was only scraping the surface, to be fair. And this 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 episode, there was so much to come into this one. So if we've missed a movie that someone's screaming at us, why didn't you cover that one? We covered Apologies. a lot. We covered a 
we fucking think one page, one page, two page, three pages of that book movies. Um, there's been a lot. And it's yeah. been really, it's been lovely being in the world of Rick Baker. I'm not going to lie, even just like, not just him, but the movies that he did as well. I've loved getting to, getting to know him a lot better. Um, I have, we love Tom Savini. I love Tom Savini, but I think I like doing this one better. There was a bit more, there was a bit more meat to it. I than... think for me, they're both the godfathers of their genres. Yeah, totally. You, I mean, you've got right, you've right. got Tom's the godfather of horror. You've got Rick, who is the godfather of aliens and monkeys and all other things. Yeah, creatures basically. He's a creature concept, creature yeah. makeup artist. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. two totally different people, but I think I've like really but doing the same kind of thing. I think I've really just I just like the I think because we've got to talk about all those amazing movies, amazing, amazing movies, amazing movies. <laughs> um, so this has been the man behind the makeup with Rick. Baker and next week I'm looking forward to going, I'm really looking forward to next week because it's very different for our podcast mm. we're going into how would you describe it Dan? folk horror yeah we're going into the folk horror and we are going to be doing the movie The Ritual Yay! Round of applause. Thank you. Um, Dan's choice. Dan's yep. brilliant choice. So spooky how it happened because Dan said the ritual in text messages, and that was it. And at the same time, I am having a conversation with someone on the Nerdy Up North Book Club <laughs> about the fact that the ritual was a book, and I'm like, holy shit, didn't know that. Love the movie. And then Dan's like, the ritual, the ritual, and I'm like, the fuck's going on here? <laughs> um. So yes, we are doing the ritual. Timothy Spall. Um, that guy oh, from. Like Rafe Spall. Rafe Spall. That's his dad. Timothy's son. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, the guy from Corrie oh, and Don't Know. You can't think of what his name is. Yeah, Coronation Street guy. Two other guys that don't know who they are. Um, but, and that's about well, it, really. fucking, fucking fantastic movie. Um, that I can't wait to actually watch because I've got some time off. Um, and just do you know what? I have seen it, but I again, it's another movie of shapes and colors. You need to go back and you need yeah. to... It's one of those films, every time you watch it, you see something more. And that's that's the thing I love about this movie. So yes. hence I'm why really, I'm really excited about this I'm one. really excited. It's just something very different. This is this is this year. The year of season two is different, is not the norm. Would you say? Yeah. We're, not, we're not going to the norm. We've done the norm. Yeah. We're just throwing some curveballs your way, you know? To check if you're paying attention, if you're still awake, if you're still here, you know. That's what the blob was. And fuck <laughs> me, did we have a great time doing that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can find us every Monday on YouTube at 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock. Our audio for this podcast goes up on Tuesday. Uh, you can find all of our socials in the links down below. There is Nerdy Up North, Bleeding Marvelous, and Monsters Very Own social media pages. We will be back next week. So it's all that's left to say is say goodbye, Dan. Bye, Dan. <laughs> say spooky, everyone. Bye. <laughs> Ah! <laughs>